Hey, what's going on, loungers? Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Retake Lounge. I'm Lucas, your co-host, joined by Nathan Katz, your co-host as well. Appreciate you guys being here to join us today. We have an awesome episode. Uh, we are going to be talking about caging, how to cage and house your reticulated python. We're going to talk about uh, size preferences uh, and things along the lines of just really narrowing down are you a breeder are you a keeper how should we be caging and housing our animals um, please don't forget to like comment and subscribe go ahead and check out our patreon that you can find in the link below go ahead and check out the different tiers we have if you want to join our community that would be awesome uh nathan what else you got for them uh we also have us arc so us arc is huge for our hobby especially when it comes to reticulated python keeping our numbers matter more than ever right now, especially to our congressmen. So let's go ahead. Let's go over to their Instagram and their YouTube. Let's subscribe there for free. That's the easiest way to go about it. Subscribe to their newsletter for free and then spare a couple bucks. Become a member. Yeah. And, and just to add on, on U.S. Arc, this isn't something that we need to take lightly. I mean, Florida is recommending right now these crazy uh, laws to uh, ban a bunch of different animals. North Carolina just passed something huge in Rayleigh, and and I think we really just need to team up and be one as a hobby and, and try to fight all this legislation that is coming to attack us for, for these animals that we love. Absolutely. So, on, on that note, I mean, what's happening in Florida is a good precursor of what could happen across the country. So, I, uh, you know, be vigilant. Especially now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sit back, hang in tight, enjoy the episode. Let us know what you guys think. So we're talking about caging tonight. So if I were to start off this conversation with you, I would, A, since we're talking dwarf and super dwarf reticulated pythons, for the most part, you do have a couple mainlands sprinkled in there. But let's talk your biggest enclosure versus your smallest enclosure for your animals. And then let's talk about the animals that live in those enclosures really quick. Cool. Yeah, that's actually a really good place to start. Okay, so we'll go with my smallest enclosure. Uh, are, are we inclu including rack systems? Yeah, sure. I mean, we, we yeah. can include everything here. Yeah, it's caging, right? Okay, so I have hatchling racks. Hatchling racks that are six-quart shoe sizes. Now, the reason why I have that size specifically, they're real small, is just because I've only hatched one clutch, and that was a pure calitose in which they were tiny, um, and fortunately I didn't have them much longer because I could already tell that they were going to need more space. Um, but currently right now my smallest is a six quart, uh, hatchling tub in which I'm putting hatchlings in and I probably wouldn't want to keep them in there for more than like four months. Um, at least in my experience when I was feeding them at around month two, I started to see their first kind of little midi growth spurt. And I was wanting to, fortunately, I was able to get them shipped out quickly, but I was wanting to already upgrade their enclosures uh, or their tubs by then. Um, 
And, and then sorry, my next... you, said, you said those were about as large as a shoebox, correct? Yeah, they're shoebox. I think they're like 13 inches long. Okay, because by... comparatively, I'm using FB10s, which are maybe a little bit smaller. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so these are the Iris 6-quart tubs um, that you can find at the container store. That's normally the link. They're actually uh, recoil reptile racks for anyone that, that um, is wanting to know where I get them from. But, um, yeah, so then I only have two of those, so I can house, what is it? It's 42 babies in those. Um, and then... I have a VE6 Vivarium Electronic 6 tier. Um, it's an interchangeable rack that you can hold three different sizes. Um, and, oh man, I wish I knew the dimensions on the longest one. But there's something like 23 inches maybe by 13 or 14 inches wide. And the thing that I don't like a lot about some of these racks, they're great, but they don't have a lot of height. Um, but I, I put my holdbacks in there. Um, so I have my, my holdback from 2021 and she is still incredibly tiny. Uh, she was a little runt girl. Um, and then I have my two holdbacks from this year that are in there and my, uh, pair of Halmaharas that are two months old. And I really don't like to keep them in there for more than a year. Okay. Um, my, my ideal, I, I would like to move out of that, um, but that's what I have right now. Now, when we get to actual enclosure sizes, um, I have four foot long by two and a half feet wide. So I have a 48 by 30 by 15 inches with two shelves staggered at like different heights. Right. And so those they are can, jungle cages. Correct me if I'm wrong. No. So those are the monster cages. Oh, monster cages. Okay. Yeah. I have a different stack of jungle that I'm now exclusively going to be doing pretty much jungle cages, but I have monster cages that are 30 inches deep, 48 inches long, and I also have 60 inches long. So I have four foot, five foot enclosures. The five foot and my longer enclosures that are jungle cages I'll get to later are 18 inches tall. And again, they have two cornered caddy shelves that are staggered. Um, so there's a shelf. So like if you could imagine... Uh, like rectangle right this looks weird in the camera I don't know what I'm doing um, but if you can imagine a square or a rectangle um, I have a triangle shape shelf in each corner um, and the reason why I have them at different heights is because I have one low to the ground so it acts as a shelf and also kind of like a cave or a hide what I like to do often when I have paper in there is I'll put moss in that corner and I'll kind of fluff it up to keep humidity up and also just to add some texture for them other than the paper that I use. Um, so those enclosures are for the four footers, 15 inches tall for the five footers, 18 inches tall. Now I have jungle cages. Um, I have two six footers and my largest enclosure that I have right now is a seven foot long. All of my cages are standard 30 inches deep. Um, you at don't some have point, any that are at are twenty four. No. Okay. No, I I used to. So I kept twenty four inch uh, wide when I got AP enclosures a few years back, um, and I figured that if I was, I, I figured that the extra depth, I I just I I liked it. I think thirty is a sweet spot for me because a lot of people are now moving up to thirty six inch deep. 
And to me, when I'm already on the floor cleaning that bottom enclosure 30 inches deep and I'm already halfway, my body's halfway in that enclosure, I can't imagine going an extra six inches. Oh, yeah, I feel like I'd no be way. climbing. Yeah, but a lot of people surgery. are doing it. Yeah. Uh, so with that seven-foot enclosure, what what's living in there right now? So my, my Solaire, she's about 14 feet. Uh, okay. I got her from Reach Out Reptiles, and he had a video of all of his snakes being measured and weighed. She weighed for him 33 pounds. I have her right now at 36 pounds, and he recorded her at 13 feet 11 inches. I haven't measured her myself, so when I say 14 feet, I'm going off of those measurements. Um, she's a long girl. But what's really awesome about these jungle cages that I, I got, um, Mark, who is the owner of Jungle Cages, I designed a custom shelf with him that we probably collaborated on for two weeks. Um that the shelf comes all the way out to the front of the enclosure from the back of the enclosure and then it comes across for about six inches and then angles all the way to halfway to the halfway point of the cage and that's a huge ledge for them to sit on it and not only that it's a it's a it's a floating shelf this 35-pound retic sits on it with zero problem, and she could probably be another foot and a half, two feet longer and 20 pounds heavier and still have room just on that shelf. Yeah, I believe it. And, I mean, coming from someone who has the animal plastic enclosures with the shelves, one of my biggest like downsides with those shelves is the struts that they have in place to hold the shelves there. It's just... Mm especially on the two side posts to get in between and clean god clean forbid, those little edges snake, yeah if your snake gets any kind of peer poo up in there it's it's oh and they do uh, <laughs> yeah they do luckily i mean i've i've found my workarounds uh little household items that get in between those crevices a little bit better than my hands but still it's a pain i'd rather just have a, that floating shelf all day and just be able to clean up and up under it and above or on top of it so yeah it's it's really nice it's definitely a luxury i kept um herptastic um who i don't think anymore is making enclosures and ap cages that had the um you know those those mounts that you can remove the shelf from it um and um i i liked them but when i got jungle cages they they come already he chemically welds them together Mm -hmm. so it's not like a screw and put together yourself type of thing um and so that's that's one of the downsides because i mean that increases shipping costs for sure yeah yeah i've never bought just one enclosure at a time oh yeah you 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 should never especially if you're doing something like that where you have to do freight shipping uh so where where's Mark located out of for people? That Colorado. Are Colorado. Okay. So, you know, me with the truck, that's a quick drive over to save me, you know, almost $800 in shipping or whatever you paid. I'm, I'm probably going to do one more order with him this year that I'm just going to get two cages. But then after that, for my next season, when I actually, I, I plan to get rid of all of my racks. And I plan to just make many, like a wall of enclosures of like different sizes, two feet, three feet, you know, and then my four feet. Um, I'm, I'm just going to bring um, a vehicle, a trailer, um, and just purchase a bunch, load them up. I, I think he's he's like a 10-hour drive from me. 
So I figure I drive 10 hours there. We can load them up. I can stay the night somewhere. I can do whatever and then just head back. Yeah. I I, I was sold on them after seeing mostly the, the, le- uh, the ledges that he built for you. But then uh, I also have a local breeder here, uh, Weston, over at Wildfire Retics. Uh, I think he's one of the biggest proponents of Mark over at Jungle Cages. And yeah. I, I've gotten to see him a few times in person at the expos, and they are just absolutely rock solid. You could throw anything at those, and they're going to last you forever. Yeah, Mark dared me to stand on top of my jungle cage, and I did, and it didn't budge. <laughs> you know, uh, I, yeah, I, I bet a- you could have some luck with some of the animal plastic stuff, but I still wouldn't trust it as much as those chemically welded cages. They're just they're super sturdy. Yeah, they're a different breed, so I think that's important when considering what what you want in a cage, um, and what you want in your enclosure. Um, you know, there I, I don't have really much against animal plastics and other PVCs that you put together yourself. I think coming mm-hmm. from where retix and and just snake keeping was ten years ago, PVC enclosures are phenomenal. Like it doesn't matter what you can get black box, you can get, you know, yeah. you can get focus cube. I mean, they're they're all going to be good cages, but. And I say, but lightly, um, it's just a matter of preference on, do you want to continue spending money on cages and having to upgrade and do those things? Um, I, I had to do that a few times and I've decided that just with the way I went with jungle cages, I feel like I don't have to, my six footer is going to be a six footer. I can recycle, put whatever snake in there I want. I don't ever have to get, I don't ever have to replace that. Yeah. And I mean, really, we could go we could go all night just talking about manufacturers, uh, you know, pros and cons of each one. But that's not really what we're here for. So kind of leading into our next portion of our preferences with caging, I want to talk about doors. Oh, man. Doors are especially with retics are. A, a big preference i have currently i have my tub systems i have um some boa file caging that i started out with a lot smaller than i would prefer those cages are four foot by two foot deep by i believe just barely over a foot tall so they are not tall enough they're good raise up cages but that's about it and then uh, the animal plastics have swing outdoors. Uh, those are four oh, foot wide. Oh, you went wide. with swing out with the APs. Yeah, because I, I, so the reason for that was I kept hearing from other keepers that uh, they were having problems with wedging in between a, a certain crack. In... That's why That's why I got rid of my APs. Yeah. I, 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 my snakes were scarring themselves under their, their chins. Yeah, I didn't need to deal with that, especially with the two girls I'm throwing in there. So I went with swing out. Um, you know, it's okay. Um, and you're probably going to be shocked when you hear this, but I prefer the swing down over the swing out. I believe, um, I don't know the swing out. It's just a little too oh, weird. Almost made me choke. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I can control the door a little bit better when I'm, I'm doing a, a drop down. Um, but I think at, at this point, I would really prefer sliding glass more than anything. So I could just, you know, really 100%. concentrate opening it 
one side at a time. Um, but I don't know of a cage better than maybe the jungle cages and maybe focus cube that uh, you can get away with sliding glass and not have those pushing issues. But um, yeah. So I, I agree. Yeah. I've never used the, the, the front swinging opening doors like you're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. I know, I know Garrett's uh, likes them and he, he has his, his case design that he's doing with them. Um, I have only had drop down doors, hinge drop down doors, uh, acrylic, mm-hmm. I believe, and sliding glass doors. And for those of you that are wondering, you know, what kind of doors I should get, I'm going to second what Nathan said try to do your absolute best to get a sliding door. And uh, the reason why it's just, it's safer. Um, You can open the door on the complete opposite end when you're feeding and not be in range. Um, The the thing I dislike the most about my drop down doors um, is that I have to play like a a mind game with my snakes. When I feed them, I have to like go over to the left side and and trace it over to the, the left side while I'm, I'm over oh, at the right side. See, I feel like I have to do that with both style of doors. Even sliding? Uh, so I don't have sliding, so I can't say for okay, sure. Okay, no. With sli- have, yeah. yeah, with sliding, it's not like that. So with sliding, yeah. like I can be on the left side, and I can just slide the right door open, and I could literally just like lay the food there, right? Um, with with drop-down doors, I have to like entice my snake on one side and then rapidly drop the other door stick the food in and what happens sometimes is if you're not quick enough that drop down door is like a ramp and the snakes just like to just slide right up it um and just come for you well for the food um did we mention hooks on the last episode Uh, no, I'm, I'm just messing around. We definitely mentioned hooks. Yeah. I'm <laughs> just saying, use your tools, especially if you ha- are in the predicament that I'm in with my drop-down doors and uh, Lucas with his drop-down doors. You know, I, I use tools to open these things at a distance. So even if, you know, there is a food response, I have at least a second or two to react. <laughs> so I, I I'm... <laughs> I'm a little hesitant when I use my my acrylic doors and like using a hook to just let it like slam down. <laughs> I don't like that loud like bang. Oh, I, I I don't ever let it slam down, especially with my boa files. Um, I think you would be honestly shocked to see them in person and to see how um, really thin the plastic is on on these cages. Uh, you you've had the animal plastic cages. You've seen yeah. that PVC. I would say it's less than half. The don't they use one fourth inch? Uh, for animal plastic? No, for both. No, 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 because that's half inch. So, yeah, I, I believe it might be a quarter inch. I don't know. Yeah. No, that that's pretty thin. Yeah. So it, it's yeah, it's pretty thin. Um. So. And I totally yeah, forgot as far where as, I was as going as with that. It's <laughs> <laughs> totally okay. Um, yeah, so as far as doors go, I prefer sliding glass doors, and I think if you ever get the opportunity to own sliding glass doors, um, I, I'd be surprised if you did not like them or prefer them over any type oh, of hinge, so, whether it's... Yeah, yeah, and we were talking about dropping that door down with with the hooks. 
So with with those enclosures being so thin, I feel like any time those doors drop down violently, it, I feel like that that plastic's just gonna pop. So, you yeah. know, I have to control it with the hook and slowly let it down. Yeah. Yeah. So l- l- with. I've I've run into my issues where I've tried doing that and I get cross armed when I'm like feeding. Um, I don't know. I've always just I I Oh that's happened. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I just I like um I like just having my tongs ready and just like boom, boom, and then if it misses I just I do one of those. <laughs> I'm also very lucky. Uh, I'll, I'll turn my camera around for just a brief second here. It's it's a little, uh, it's not messy, but it's not neat right now. But if you see on those cages there, those boa files, I have the top two cages with two double doors, and they can be split. Oh. And then that bottom cage is the only one with a single door. So I can almost act as if it's a cage with sliding doors on those. So I really like the design of the boa files with the two, two glass doors because I, I, I like can coax them those... over to one side and then open the other door. Yeah, I really like the um, the the handles that they have to turn them. Mine doesn't yeah. have that, which is why, like, if I use my hook to to gently pull it down, I have to put my hook on the key. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's another thing I don't like about the the animal plastic cages is with that key and with everything being so flat on that front acrylic, I have really nothing to grab onto. I have to kind of unlatch everything. And on one, one cage, the doors will just kind of naturally swing open a little bit and I can pull them open gently. And then one of the other cages, for whatever reason, the acrylic is kind of (laughs) snug into the, the cutout that they have. So I have to like try to wedge my hook in and try to pull it out without, you know, having a, a hungry snake coming at me. Yeah. It's always fun. Feeding retics keeps you on your toes. Um, as far as caging goes, I, I mean, let me ask you now. Um, you asked me earlier what size I had. Um, what sizes do you have? I want to hear what you have, what you keep. Yeah. So, uh, my dimension rack, wise yeah yeah my hatchling rack is my smallest enclosure size uh, i have a 20 space fb10 i work with mostly high percentage i mean exclusively high percentage kalatoa bloodlines so my hatchlings luckily can sit in there for about i'd say about the same three or four months on the very, very long end. Uh, After that, they need an upgrade. Right now, I have my hatchlings upgraded to uh, those boophile cages. So like I was mentioning just a minute ago, uh, each cage that has the double doors can also uh, have a divider put in the center and become a little two-space condo. So each of their condos is is two feet wide by two feet deep and then a little over a foot tall. I believe it's 14 inches. Uh, then the two boa files underneath, the one's a condo, but it's all the way opened up. That is four foot long, two feet deep, 
and then again about 14 inches high same with that bottom enclosure with one acrylic door then I have my boa files, which I just upgraded my two largest females into. Uh, in those, there are two 75.5% Kalatoas, 12.5% Jampeas. Uh, the larger of the two girls is just barely over 9 foot. Those enclosures are 4 foot wide, 30 inches deep, and then 2 feet tall. I went with 2 feet tall because I... Why not? That was kind of the the thing I said to myself was why not, and now I'm asking myself why. I hear you. That's why I went eighteen. Uh, yeah, eight. I think eighteen really is the sweet spot with uh, any of the dwarf super dwarf localities that are staying on the smaller end. I uh, I really just don't see them using the entire space unless I had multiple branches going up and like a real good way for them to use every square inch of the the two feet and i keep my yeah. stuff pretty minimal minimalistic so it's easy to keep sterile yeah. and clean and, and i mean that i think your comment there kind of want i, I want to kind of transition over into a conversation and, and just kind of get your thoughts and have a conversation about this but like the ideal caging for retics and uh dwarf super dwarf um or even mainland for that matter um but I, I just a discussion on ideal caging and then also what the realistic ideal caging looks like for a breeder two completely different stories and uh, i mean i wouldn't say totally different stories we're seeing people like spencer vance now that are putting a ton of effort into keeping a naturalistic cage, but that is also easy to keep pretty sterile. Um, so I think there there's going to be a shift in, in keeping a little bit where breeders will attempt to do uh, sort of the same thing. Uh, I'm interested over time to see, you know, if he keeps with uh, the substrate that he's using, if he switches to paper at some point. This is, uh, for me as a young breeder with these retics who keeps very minimalistic, very sterile, clean. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting for me to just see his success with everything. I I agree. I think what he's doing is phenomenal. I think here, here and, and I mean, breeders can go to that extent as well. Um, I, I, I have a few problems with, don't get me wrong, I, I Spencer's a good friend of mine and he has phenomenal enclosures, um, has spent and invested so much money on them. They are one of the most beautiful enclosures that I've seen that he has stacked. He has eight of them and they look great where I see the issues coming in for breeders. So, and what I meant were completely different for breeders and then just for keepers. When you breed retics and you're breeding on even a medium scale, not even like a large scale, like we're not mass producing puppy mill animals, right? Like I would say even a modest collection for a breeder is still roughly around 20 snakes. Yeah. If you're, it, it, it's a lot of snakes, but you're also not a, a re, you're not pumping out, you know, 15, 20 clutches a year, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm keeping this really small. I mean, we're working with 
animals that have the potential to get some size on them. So my my plan until I'm able to get a better situation for myself has always been low and slow. So even though I'm breeding these things and working to build a, a decent program over here eventually, I I only have six animals. You know, yep. we had a clutch and, and, of 19, but I'm not looking to keep back a ton right now. Awesome. And, and that what I love about what you stated there is you know what your space limit is, right? And so many yeah. people lose track of that. They're like, oh, hatchling, 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 rack, 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 rack. And then all of a sudden they have a, a 12 by 12 room and they have 15 animals and they're like, oh, <laughs> what do I do? Um, but, but I think what I'm talking about a lot is like when you end up having, you know, a dozen animals or 15 animals and everything, what ends up being an issue is your vertical space, Mm -hmm. you know, where, where someone can keep, you know, three enclosures tall. If you're keeping them at 24 inches tall, um, you know, people can get four to five with 18 inches tall, right? And so I think those are things that need to be considered and at least discuss when we're talking about the differences between keeping as a pet and then also having the intentions of breeding is how to maximize your space while also allowing your snakes to be able to have a good enclosure that they can, um, that, that they can enjoy. Um, but, but the, the issue I see with Spencer's setup is that those rock walls, right? I'm scared about those rock walls in the background. I don't Why's know that? how I, I don't know how easy they are to clean when you have when you end up having a snake that's six, seven feet and you're using those or even eight feet and you're using those rock walls and they decide to just like paint those rock walls with I All mean, right. So this this is a forced interaction time. Since I have a feeling Spencer will probably watch this at some point. Spencer, I need you to go down and let us know. Yes. If you're able to take, like, say, one of those drill bit brushes to something like that without damaging all the hard work you did and clean your enclosure. I, I believe with that <clears throat> universal rock stuff, once it's cured, you're able to do that. I And as a matter of fact, I would love to have Spencer at some point on our episode Me to too. talk about how it is to, to do that. Um, so, so there's your informal invite, Spencer. Um, to talk about those rock walls, talk about how he went about his setup and everything. I think it's really cool. They look beautiful, and I actually plan to do them for for my four footers uh, to see how it goes. But um, like for his snakes now that he has, he I think his largest snake is uh, a two and a half year old Kaiwadi, probably six and a half feet or so. I'm just wondering how that's gonna fare with larger retics. And when you start yeah. to get into the really goopy type of crap. <laughs> Um, and just how easy, if, if it's easy and you could take a drill bit with a little scrub head and you can get it off and wipe it off. But then again, when you're talking about having a clean 15, 20 snakes, it's not that bad. I, if, if the drill bit cleaner works, <laughs> it wouldn't be that bad. I'll, I'll it take you. It would be a lot. It would be granted. It would be a lot more work than what I put up with what you probably put up with. Correct me if I'm wrong. You keep mostly on paper. Yeah. So all of my cages are paper on the bottom and then all the shelves have an inch and a half lip that I put bedding on. I put Reptichip. Okay. okay. So almost like a, just a small humid spot for them to go or. 
small humid just spot. Some different and it's, textural differences yeah, within and, the cage. I mean, if if I'm going to be honest on why I do it, it's because I was tired of my snakes peeing and pooping up there and me not being able to get my drill bit to clean it all out because the gap wasn't far enough from the ceiling. Um, and it started to become problematic. So I put bedding up there, but then as I was doing it, what's awesome about it is it kind of doubles down as a awesome lay box in a sense, because it's close to the top. They feel nice and secure. Oh, what's up, kitty? Sorry, um, he was being loud. Had to let him in. No, nah, it's cool. Cats are allowed to. Um, so yeah, I, I like putting the substrate on top and also. I just want to make a comment before anyone decides to twist my words. I think bigger, better, always for your animals to what you can do. If you can go 36 inches tall, go 36 inches tall. If you can go 24. Um, what's worked for me is 18 inches tall so that I can get a little more height in my, my animals. And, and just like Nathan right now, I'm going with a naturalistic setup because cleaning wise. Um, you mean minimal? Once you. Huh? minimalistic yeah i mean it's just it, it works and what what i really so here's a little cognitive reframe for you guys um a lot of people say well if you have naturalistic or you have um you know a, a bunch of uh you're using substrate and you only have to just spot clean and things like that i actually enjoyed i i enjoy having paper because it forces me not, not that I need to be forced, but I interact with my snakes so much more because I'm taking them out two to three times a week to clean their paper, and I'm constantly doing health checks on them, scanning their body, letting them... I have a garage now where I can literally let my snakes slither around the garage while I just spot clean and rip out paper, wipe down, put it back in. Yeah, that's nice. So, so yeah, I like paper for that reason. It... it I, I did find myself getting lazy with mulch or refty chip and, you know, I would spot clean, but then like, I don't, I don't like doing the once a month big hole cleaning that takes me an hour and a half each cage. <laughs> yeah, that, that takes a lot of effort. And if you keep on paper for even a short period of time, you'll realize how much these animals pee, the volume of their pee. I mean, on, on one of their big, uh, releases you can almost fill the entire bottom of the cage just with urine yeah i've seen so it. <laughs> when that happens like yeah your your rep chip will absorb it a little bit but then you have to worry about bacteria growing in a hot dark place so yeah if for me it's easier to just know that you know the cage is dirty oh well take five ten minutes clean it get it done and have have the peace of mind that my animal is not developing anything weird. Yeah. What what kind of locks do you prefer? So I think that goes back to um, being able to open the cage with the locks. I do love having a keyed lock system. It gives me a little peace of mind, especially when I'm out of town. But I also do love just the twist lock and be able to drop down my cage. I think if I had children, there would be locks on all of my cages, but luckily that's not the case. And, you know, I can have peace of mind that at least no one's going to get hurt. But, you know, it's more just when I'm out of town, I get paranoid that, oh, someone's going to break in and try to get the snakes. True. True. Yeah. 
All right. So what in, in your ideal enclosure, what would you have inside for enrichment, for bedding, for height? Let, let's just talk about like the ideal enclosure and, and what, what would you have? So for me, because uh, this is this is going to be different person to person. Whoever you're asking is going to have a different opinion. Um, for me, fresh water, a large enough reservoir that they can swim. I, I'm huge on that. These animals love to submerge themselves for days on end sometimes. Swim uh, or soak? Uh, soak. I mean, I wish I could provide a large enough reservoir for them. I mean, to be that able would be swim, awesome, right? <laughs> but I would need, I would need quite a large enclosure, and it would have to be set up quite a bit differently to be able to have an enclosure that big. Um, I prefer to have some kind of shelving, some kind of perch for them to be able to go up on. If there's pee in the middle of the night, so they can get to a dry spot. Uh, Let's see. I, I think one thing that I'm looking to add uh, that I need to talk to a few people about is uh, how people are constructing their humid hides. How are how are they maintaining their humid hides? You know, just stuff like that. I would love to add in a, a little box that they could go in. So yeah, a humid hide so that they could deal with hu uh, some of their shedding issues being in a dry climate. Uh, I'm able to manage that like I talked about in our last husbandry video with misting most of the time. But if I could let the snakes manage it on their own, I feel like they'd do a better job than I would. But besides that, I mean, I, I love keeping clinically. I love uh, the control and just keeping everything nice and clean, knowing my snakes are healthy and just giving them anything they need to be able to manage their health properly is my biggest concern. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think health is first and foremost for me as well. Um, I, I guess for me, my, my ideal enclosure, um, I like, I like to see enclosures. I, I really like enclosures that have, um, a lot of enrichment inside of the enclosure. Um, I like to see the sky heights, I think are phenomenal. I I I want to find a way to like make a sky hide for like the jumbo massive hides, and it still be supportive enough to hold like a fifteen pound snake in there. <laughs> I think that that would be awesome. Um, I I love sky hides. Um, I I like the human box that you do, and I think for me, what I do to to compensate for that instead of having like a box that takes up space i do that like cave under a shelf and just add moss in the back um and for me i i would prefer to have two different heights of shelves right so whether it's tiered so that they have them um or at least one shelf that has plenty of space for them to fully coil on top um Ideally, I do think 24 inches would be nice. And the only reason why I say that is because I keep my snakes in ambient. Um, if I was keeping them on a gradient, um, I, I think that because I prefer heat panels over heat tape at times, sometimes, maybe, maybe I don't, I don't know. But I think that that 24 height gets a little tall um, when it comes to trying to heat down to the bottom. But 
yeah and then um i think it would be cool to have like what i want to try and do i think ideally i would like to have one sidewall at least have those naturalistic rock walls from universal rocks that way there is texture and then maybe one cool rock shelf coming out um i, I think that that would be pretty cool so yeah, I mean, one floor hide, and then, yeah, definitely a big enough water bowl for them to fully soak in. Um, I keep my retakes on paper, and I'm never happy when I have to clean snake cages unless my snake flooded the bottom because my snake is soaking in happy. Like, then I'm okay. I, I can deal with that. Um, but, yeah, I think I covered also what I think would be yeah, I think the only thing I didn't cover in my cages is hides. And uh, for the hatchlings, I think it's most important for them, for sure. It's important for all snakes to be able to find a place where they can feel secluded, safe, and secure. Um, I find that with my perches and my shelves in my caging that I have now, all my snakes have been comfortable. So yeah. I just kind of provide that stuff where need be. And just to adjust to my snake's behavior really more than anything. Yeah, no, totally. I think that I agree. So uh, all of my jungle cages have that shelf that's about six inches from the top. And so, like, if I'm walking by all of my snake cages, unless they're eye level or above, I can't see my snake. It has plenty of security when it's on that shelf. Has plenty of shade and just it, it's kind of like its own little hide in and of itself. goes a long way goes a really long way in making your snake feel confident totally um man caging so there's one last thing i want to kind of hit on before we we wrap up and that's an enclosure talk i heard not too long ago that you know was mentioning some of this stuff what was being a little bit controversial you know we're we're kind of erring on the side of uh more is more for these animals and uh the enclosure talk that i came across recently was preaching for these animals big and small less is more so put these animals in as small of an enclosure as you can really uh like maintain them in and do it that way feed them as much as you can if they're unhappy and just shove them in a small enclosure now you see a lot of people also going to the opposite end of that now and wanting to provide huge, huge enclosures, sometimes a whole room for a small, small snake or an eight foot enclosure for, you know, a, a small dwarf retic with a year or two a size on it. Um, I think there's negatives both ways. Yeah. Um, there's positives both ways too. small size your animal feels more secure. Most of your animals in the wild, you're gonna find them in, especially these super dwarfs, in cave systems, in bushes, really hiding themselves away so they don't feel like something's just gonna walk up on it. Now, these large enclosures, while it provides a lot of space for them to get enrichment, stretch out, do everything you would want them to do to maintain a healthy body structure, it also provides a little bit too much space if it's wide open where that animal can get insecure, stop feeding, 
you know, a, a host of different behavioral issues that can come from that snake just feeling overexposed. So let's talk about maybe since we deal with mostly dwarf and super dwarf localities, for our snakes that are staying 10 to 12 foot and under, what would be the ideal length, depth, height for you? And then I'll, I'll tell you what mine would be. Length, depth, height for, I mean, that's a big range for 12 foot and under. Like if we're talking about the 10 to 12 foot range, I'm going to go, um, ideal would be eight by, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm not budging on that 30 inches deep. I'd like eight foot long though. Yeah. So eight foot long. And the reason why I say eight foot long is because my wild caught Kalatoa, she uses every bit of her six foot. And I've always wondered what if I gave her two feet more and, and she's about nine, she's okay. about nine and a half feet. And so I've always wondered, what if I gave her two feet more? And what I would do to make sure that there was security there is I would have shelves on both sides again. One to be a shelf that's also low enough to be... Well, and especially if you construct them offset, front to back, how you do with the other cages that you got. Yeah, that should be Yeah, and, 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 and especially with two shelves in there, I mean, it would be eight foot long, but she would literally have probably close to, to almost like the equivalence of a 16 foot long enclosure with how much space she would have. Um, but yeah, I think I think for me, it's it's close to that. But I would I would say just. You know, mostly because I'm dealing with size constraints in my room, probably a five to six foot. What What if you didn't have your room had, size constraints? What What if? That's where I was good. I still think I would probably stick with a six by thirty inch by eighteen. Okay, by. and that that's that's what I have now, and I will say it works really really well. So my my point of bringing up the enclosure talks that uh, I I saw on this on the subject of providing less and that being more for your animal um and then the opposite end of that of people providing as much as they humanly can for their animals i think for me it falls more into the happy medium what's small enough that's workable for the animal can provide enough space for enrichment where they can maintain a healthy body tone and then after that you know just size for my space you know i want to be able to have a decent breeding facility and that is always going to require me being space conscious no matter how big my facility yeah. is I yeah think. and i think that I, I think six foot is a good area i mean i i i just never want anyone to walk into any of and see any of my animals and go, wow, that thing looks like it's just crammed in. No, there. never. Exactly. And and that's where I... It's taken up half the cage and, you know, like... That's where I think five foot, I think, is a little short. Just because I my, my I had originally, when I got my female Kalatoa, uh, the wild caught, um, I had her and I got her a five foot built. And I immediately knew when I saw her still laying in it, especially when she was gravid, I, I knew that I wanted more just one foot more of length and I'm happy with her and her six footer with her shelf. She goes up, down, 
she cruises back and forth. Um, and I guess I, the reason why I say ideal and I originally said eight and then seven is just because I do like to see, um, I really like to see them move. And the more that they move inside their cage and the more they can move, the less work I have to do to get them the exercise to stay tone, to stay lean. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think you're at all off with saying six foot. I am very happy with my six. And as a matter of fact, my seven footer is housing my Slayer. <laughs> That's 14 feet. And we're talking about, Honestly, we're talking about snakes in the 10 foot range. My biggest, my biggest females are about, you know, an inch or two over nine. Yeah. Foot. Six foot is and, great. And well, I wish they were in six foot. They're in four foot now and they are, you know, it works fine. Yeah. So it is proof that less can work out with these animals, but ideally, you know, you want to provide a little bit more. I would love to see these guys be able to mostly stretch out across the cage. Yeah, can, you know, that's where the shelving comes in and being able to really help them stretch out and maintain their body tone. I don't think they could do it without. Yeah. Can can I I, I want to make a comment on the cage talk that you were discussing. So yeah. I, I just want to give my thoughts, my opinions on like less is more or is more better. Um, and I think that both the answers are yes. And it boils down to your animal individually. I had a main... And how you're maintaining that animal. Yeah, it's it's how you're maintaining that animal, but also the individual animal's personality. I had a uh, mainland male that I, I sold um, uh, a couple years ago that he was a relentless pusher. And I mean relentless. Not breeding because at the time I didn't have any females that were cycling. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't. Uh, you know, I had two retics and he was still pushing, pushing, pushing. My temperatures were good, stable, no RIs, got him checked. Um, took him to the vet a bunch of times because I was literally like, what the heck is wrong <laughs> with this snake? But, um, so what did I do? I first, I was like, you know what? Let me upgrade his enclosure. Got a bigger enclosure. Nope. He pushed more. Then I was like, all right, let me downgrade him. Let me put him in a tub. And it worked. And that, and the thing is, is that not every animal though needs to be in a small enclosure. And if you get a very large enclosure, like Nathan was talking about, you know, we have super dwarf and dwarf retics. And when you have an eight foot long enclosure for a snake, that's a year old and still the width of like your index finger, there's a lot of opportunity for that snake to feel extremely insecure. So if you are going to when it comes down to it, some people are insecure. So and it's the same with our yeah. snakes. You know, one snake who may do great in an enclosure with glass in the front or acrylic in the front, there's gonna be there's gonna be a snake that you encounter that cannot be in an enclosure with any kind of glass front. They feel too exposed. They freak out and can't handle it. So. Yeah, I mean, one size does not fit all because yeah, every snake is different. If if you're going to go the very, very large route and you've already done this or you plan to do it because you thought it would be a good idea and you get a six to eight foot enclosure for a tiny snake that's like the width of your index finger, 
you need to do it right. And what I mean by do it right is do not shortcut the amount of foliage and hides. And like, I mean, literally there should be sticks in every square inch of that enclosure to make sure that it has all of the coverage that it needs to feel secure. And if you do it that way, your snake might respond really well. But if you plan on getting a six to eight foot enclosure for a really small snake, and you plan on putting a hide on one side, a hide on the other side, and a cute sticky fake plant on the side wall and on the back wall, your snake is probably going to feel extremely exposed, especially if you get a white pretty enclosure that's very bright all the time. Um, and so... Yes, you know, bigger and is is you know bigger and better is is where the husband is where the hobby is kind of going. But you have to work with what's best for you, but also what's best for your animal's interests. And always, 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 just pay attention to your individual animal and do what's right for them. Because sometimes it is smaller. The issue that I have is there's just a lot of big breeders out there that like to use that argument that, oh, retics like really small enclosures in order to gain your sale because you're worried about being able to house a retic, which is a valid concern. And they're like, oh, no, retics like to feel very tight and very secure. And here's this mainland and it's a year old and it could probably do well in a four foot enclosure for the next five years. And it's like, eh, hold up. That doesn't sound very right. So um, there are times where smaller tight spaces are good for specific individual animals. Um, But if a breeder is telling you smaller is better, like through and through, they might be just trying to get your money. I I also look at it as someone with spinal injuries. For sure. Uh, in order for me to feel okay, I have to be active. I have to move around. I can only imagine if I was shoved into a box where I could only lay in one or two different positions. Your spine over time is going to adjust to those weird positions that your body has to lay into. And there's going to be some breakdown within the spine there. So, you know, I, I just think muscle tones huge being able to stretch out move around what's ultimately going to keep your snake from being happy and healthy yeah exactly and you have to you have to see how you're going to manage that i mean if you have a snake that who unfortunately doesn't do well in large enclosures with glass or any kind of exposure in the front all right, well, now it's on you. You're going to have to take that animal out, exercise it, and make sure that it's not atrophying in some weird yep. way. Yeah, 100%. If you don't provide the enrichment for your snake in the enclosure, do the best you can to provide it out of the enclosure. Yep. Um, all right, Nathan, I think that we covered a pretty decent amount about cages. You guys are more than welcome to comment down below Join our Patreon and join the discussion of this post video and and let's talk more about this. Uh, We meet on Zoom meetings with our memberships. Um, We meet on Zoom meetings with our members and you can uh, join the discussion on each individual video. Give your input and uh, we can discuss things. Um, And once again, the invite's open. If you guys want to talk caging and things like that, go ahead and just 
join us on there, message us, and um, we'll be happy to answer any questions that you have. Uh, you can catch us every Friday uh, on any major podcast platform as well as YouTube. Uh, Nathan, you got anything else before we wrap up, man? No, just a typical go over to US Arc, subscribe to their YouTube, subscribe to their Instagram, their newsletter, and then also become a member. Uh, donate when possible and fight for them who are fighting for us. Absolutely. All right, loungers, thanks so much for joining us again here on the Retech Lounge. You guys have a good one. Bye.